1: Hey, thanks for for doing that, everyone. Have a seat. And uh, can we just thank our worship team this morning? I'm really grateful for them and for how they serve. And uh, new songs don't just teach themselves. (laughs) Some of you know that. You know, it's work and time and energy. And so uh, we're grateful for the gift of music. Thanks, bro. And uh, and we're really grateful for many of you who are here. and, And like we said in the welcome, you know, you're just helping us like, open up, I guess, is that the, the right word? Like, you're helping us just follow the, the, the guidelines and uh, be obedient and, and, and be careful with everything that's going on with COVID as well. If you're watching online, just a special welcome. We're really happy that you're joining us. Maybe you're on a podcast listen to us a bit later in the week, uh, The Gift of Technology. Uh, but we've been in a teaching series that we like been encouraging you to think about the power of change. And the way change comes to us in a way to stir our hearts, to think about God in a new way, to welcome God in a new way. And and I want to tell you something that happened to me just a few weeks ago that made me think about change and the way our world is changing, the way we're changing. And it was that I got an email from this random person who's a stranger. The stranger sent me an email. I don't know, I mean, you get emails from strangers, you get random stuff, and and we usually call it what? Junk or spam, right? So I'm like, whatever, delete, delete. I do that with most of your emails, but whatever. So... uh, just a joke. Okay. Uh, and uh, and so, so pretty much I get this email and it's from this person who says, hey Dom, I just want to say thank you to you. So it kind of threw me off and there's a picture in the email. I see a picture and the person, this stranger, his name is Jimmy. So I have a picture of Jimmy, the stranger. And I'm like, this is Jimmy. He sends me an email, says, hey Dom, want to say thank you to you, uh, you know, for believing in what we're doing. And then there's a quote, like from Jimmy to me, thanking me. And I'm like, well, who the heck is Jimmy like what is this right and then I read the quote in the email this is the quote that Jimmy Jimmy posted it says this imagine a world in which every single person on the planet has free access to the sum of all human knowledge Jimmy Wales. then it dawned on me I know Jimmy Wales is something you know Jimmy Wales is the person who started Wikipedia and a few years ago because I felt really really bad because my kids were always using Wikipedia I made a donation to Wikipedia I just, like, I'm like, I know what it's like for people to, like, you know, be part of something and never give. Not here, but at other places. And so, and so I thought, I kind of feel bad, so I'm going to, like, I'm just going to make a donation. And two years later, I get an email from Jimmy. Never met Jimmy. have no idea if I saw, He doesn't know Dom, doesn't know me, you know. And I got this note, and I thought, we live in a world where every day somebody is thinking about the next thing that will change the world. Jimmy thought, if only there was a place where everybody can get all the information. Some of you have heard of Wikipedia. Some of you. <laughs> and if everybody got this, maybe this would change the world. Maybe this would be a better place. And I, I remember a time in my life when I was, like, learning about Christianity, I thought, this is true. You know, if only people had better education, the world would be a better place. If only people had, like, better health care, the world would be at a better place. And I went through all that in my head, and, and don't get me wrong, I think this is beautiful. Like, we need to work on these things. But the truth is, is that if you're a Christian, that's not enough that if you're really paying attention to the things that we're learning about and what the series has been about is that we really believe that one of the things the Bible invites us to is that to really see change in the world requires dealing with the deep things of our hearts. And that requires worship. That requires paying attention to the things that we worship and the things that we love. And I remember as, as, a, as a young person, I thought, you know what? I, I don't believe that yet. And I thought Jesus, you know, was a good teacher. And if you just believe that more information... Will make the world a better place you're probably at the place where you think Jesus was just a good teacher and I often tell people this I'm like you know wouldn't it be great if Jesus just came and built libraries but that's not what Jesus did he didn't say like start a lot of libraries so people can like learn he's gonna teach people stuff but what Jesus does is he says I'm building a church where people are gonna learn to worship And that's what we're a part of. We're realizing that to really grow in our faith is not enough to deal with all the messages of what change might need happen in the world. More capitalism, less capitalism, more sports, less sports, more school, less school. I mean, it's nonstop. Like you meet somebody, they have an idea. If you ask people, what's one thing you would change that will make the world a better place? I mean, it's endless. And then you read the Bible. And the Bible takes you to this place where it's like, if you really want to see change happen, some things have to change in you. And that requires us dealing with the issue of really worshiping God first. And we do this every time we sing and we learn, we're we're coming back. We're bringing you back to this center of what it means to worship God. And we've been doing this in a series in the Bible through looking at at the, the series through two books called Ezra and Nehemiah that are helping us look at change in a very difficult time in the Bible. If you haven't been with us, you maybe missed last week and, you know, your internet doesn't work so you can't go watch last week, whatever, you know, and and you've missed the series, I want to tell you about a pattern that is very, very clear throughout the Bible about how God helps His people change. It's a simple pattern. It's a pattern that when I share with you, you can think in your own life and be like, hey, I think I've kind of done that. And I want to give you kind of, this is a pattern of how change takes root in our lives and it's the kind of change that honors God. It's not just like New Year's resolution change. You know, like in a few weeks, you're all going to be like, oh, I'm going to like do this, and after three weeks, you're going to stop doing it, right? It's not that kind of change. It's like transforming God-honoring change. It has a pattern. It has a biblical pattern. And you can go to the slide, just to the next slide. This is basically what, what the, the pattern is. Just I'm Leave it up there. Take a picture of it. You can think about it. All change that God invites us into in the Bible requires confession, meaning admitting that you were part of the problem. Forgiveness, meaning you understand what you've done and what it's caused pain to who it's caused pain to. There's forgiveness there. Forgiveness is not just a feeling, by the way. This renewed sense of hope that you're like, things are not going to be this way anymore. God loves us enough, and he's started to do something new, so there's a sense of hope, and that hope leads to a sense where you feel a burden now to do something. If you're still learning about Christianity or you never thought about this, I, I know how hard it is sometimes to just stop at one of these. I know people who just stop at like the forgiveness part. They get to forgiveness, so I'm good to go. Like I've never, felt, I've never felt better in my life. This is great. You know, and, and many people today when they talk about forgiveness, you've maybe heard this. They're like, you know, you just got to forgive people because it sets you free. You know, ever, any of you ever hear that? I don't like that at all and I think it's kind of nonsense, but Whatever people like that, it's almost like we even make forgiveness about us. Everything is about us, right? But the Bible says, no, no, real forgiveness is understanding deeper than just God is setting you free. But now he's calling you to a new sense of hope to the next place. And that means once you get a glimpse of that hope, you now carry a burden, a burden to do something, a burden to respond, a burden to learn and to grow. These are the kinds of things that the Bible invites us to do for us to really experience God-honoring change. These things. And in Ezra and Nehemiah, these two books, the people of God are starting to feel this. They're starting to feel like, oh my goodness, God's about to change everything. And they realize that means God is forgiving us. That means God is about to do something new in our lives and in the lives of our kids. That means God is giving us new hope. And, and if you were here, you remember this, one of the responses that the people will, will, will have is they're going to do what? They're going to decide to go back and build the temple again. They're like, we need to go back and start with the thing that represents us worshiping God first. They're going to go back and rebuild the temple. They're like, we have to rebuild the temple. And just like today, some people are like, whatever the temple. We don't need the temple. Who cares about the temple? Don't do that. And these two leaders in the Bible, okay, there's other people, but there's two specific leaders that we learn about. Ezra and Nehemiah have this role where they feel this burden, this burden to step out and to respond. Ezra is the person who begins the work to rebuild this temple. And Nehemiah, then, is the person who not only knows that the temple is being built, but the temple needs a wall around it. And I know for many of us, you might read the Bible. If you're learning about Christianity, and you start with the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll probably stop reading your Bible. Because they're hard books to read. And they're weird, and they have names of people that you would never think of. And you're like, you know, when's the last time you heard somebody who called their, maybe they called their dog Nehemiah. I don't know if you have a dog. But you're like, these people's names, you're like, I don't really know. Is this important? And then after a while, you're like, it's not important at all. I just like the passages in the Bible where Jesus says, go get them. Jesus doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible, by the way. But we have all these ideas where we're like, we just like the positivity verses. But, But the truth is that we're called to learn about how God is calling people to change and to grow and to ask for forgiveness and to respond. What place are you at in these four? Maybe you're still at number one. Maybe you're just trying to figure out how to talk through a season of confession that you know some things have happened, maybe in the past, maybe recently, that God has to really address in your life. That can be painful. But I have good news that God doesn't shame his people when they begin to confess. He says, hey, hey, I know, I know, I love you. And I forgive you. And then people, you, you sense that there's this new hope, this next step that God calls us to. And so this morning, I want to just take you to the place where we left off a little bit last week where Nehemiah, if you remember, I left you last week kind of on a downer. So if you were here, like church was sad today. We left and Nehemiah was kind of crying. And, and a lot of people were like, I go to church to be inspired, whatever. We, we, we also going to learn together. So we do some of that. And so Nehemiah was like sad and disappointed and, and and how many of you may be just curious if, if you were here and you're how many remember what nehemiah does for his job this guy nehemiah what does he do he drinks a lot of wine a lot of wine some of you are like i love this guy already i love this where is this in the bible okay so nehemiah is a cupbearer. he drinks wine for the king or anything and probably tastes food really dangerous job right he, he he makes sure that the king is never poisoned and nehemiah lives in a place called persia and he's feeling like the burden and the response, like he's feeling this now. He's like, oh boy, oh boy, God's at work and I'm not like really involved yet. I'm still kind of like working for the king and I, ju- I just sense that something's coming for me. Like I-, I need to experience God's change next. And we're told that at the right time, Nehemiah is probably praying and asking God for help. At the right time, Nehemiah talks to the king and he kind of tells the king like what's going on, which could have been very dangerous in this time. Says this, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I, Nehemiah, took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? It's a good question. This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. And imagine Nehemiah's like, oh my goodness. Like I'm in trouble. Like I gotta pretend to be happy. This is a positive job. You ever have that? You go to work and you're like, I hate, I hate today. I'm going to hate tomorrow. I, I kind of like that. And you go there, and maybe you're in a, bo, in a job where you're like, I don't know, you oversee people, and the boss is like, we need you to be positive. And you're like, I'm not an aerobics instructor. I can't do this. Nehemiah's is like, oh, my goodness. I, like, the king could tell that I'm sad? Yeah. And if you read on in this section, it says that Nehemiah's is afraid. That now he kind of has to say something, and he has to say the truth because this burden after confession, the people know it was their fault, and forgiveness and hope. this burden—you can't hide a burden. You could try, but you can't. And Nehemiah is like, "Oh, King." And we know, if you read the passage, that King Artaxerxes is also with his wife. We know who the queen is at the time in Persia, and he finally says to them, "Hey, you know, like, I love doing this. Your honor, I don't don't kill me, but uh, you know, I, I would love to maybe go back to be with my people, who are in Jerusalem, like they're not here." And and maybe you remember, there was another king before you who allowed them to go back to rebuild the temple. And and I hear word that the temple's being rebuilt, but the wall around it is not built, and that makes me sad. Because that means that the people don't think it's safe enough to go back to worship yet. That means they will continue to worship the gods of the Persians. That means they're still going to find their identity and who they are in the stories that the Persians have taught them, in the gods of Persia. They need to be changed from the inside out. And that requires worship. Nehemiah knows this and Ezra knows this. People who don't know this about the Bible are like, why would they build buildings? We don't need buildings. No, if you're going to invite people to come to the altar, somebody's got to build the altar. That's what the temple is for. And Nehemiah tells the king and and they ask some good questions. You should read it. It's wonderful. They ask questions about like, well, how long is it going to take? Like, how long do you need to be away? And what what else do you need? So Nehemiah's like, oh, my goodness. Like, God is in this? Like, you never know. You ever have those moments where God is in it you don't even expect it? I had a lot of those moments where you take a step of faith then you realize God's already there ahead of you and he's preparing things for you. And Nehemiah feels this. He experiences this. So guess what the king says like, what else do you need? Nehemiah's like, well, can you send me a letter? Like when I get to the border and there's the border patrol person and it says, why well, into the country? I just could show them the letter. Said, ah, yeah, we could do that. Somebody get, it, get this guy a letter. And We need wood. Can you, can you write something about like extra wood? Because wood's expensive now. You guys hear about this? It's really expensive. For Nehemiah, it's been hard. So like we need like free wood. Can we timber people who control that? Can we tell them we need that? Let's get it to Nehemiah. He's a good guy, this guy. Let's get him some letters. And this happens. God is just going ahead and beginning to take this hope and this burden, and Nehemiah responding, and he's about to go. This is so encouraging for me. I have to tell you something, like, when I read stories like this, I get so excited in the week, I'm like, sometimes I can preach on Tuesday, you know, if, if you were with me. But I, I get excited because it's helping me grow in my faith, because I grew up in a world that when, when you thought about, like, problems in life, I was taught you just pray, and then you wait for the Lord to do a miracle. Like, we spiritualized every problem in the world when I was growing up. Like, you're sick? Just Pray. You have a headache? Just pray. I'm like, but what do we do after? Like, do you have Advil? No, 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 no. Just pray. If we go to the doctor, no, 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 no. Just pray. And I'm like, you read the Bible. People like Nehemiah, like, they're praying. They're crying. They're sad, but they're going. They're responding. They're acting. They're learning that prayer is not just like a magical language to do nothing. Prayer is where God reminds us that by his power, we participate in what he's about to do took me a long time to learn that because I prefer to God that I just had to pray. And trust me, you'll find verses in the Bible that say the Lord fights your battles for you. That doesn't mean you don't do anything. But some people think that. And Nehemiah is not going to go and he's going to say, God, if you're going to answer our prayer, if you move the heart of this pagan king to help, I'm going to go now. I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to begin to do what you're calling me to do. Some of you are at this crucial place in your life where you've been praying and praying and crying on God and reading and talking, and God has been saying to you, will you just get up and do something? Will you just get up and and begin to take a step of faith to see me at work? Will you do that? No, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to go pray, pray. Prayer is so important. It's essential. I'm going to talk about it, like, in the end of the service as well. But, But remember, whenever we pray and after that we don't move to act, we almost grieve the power of the Holy Spirit. We almost make it sound like the power of the Holy Spirit is something that we don't trust enough to now take a step of faith. Now, there are times where our response is delayed. There are times when we pray and we're not sure what to say, but there's some of us, some of us, not all of you, all of you, okay, that will be tempted to pray and never to walk. Maybe the change that you're going to do this year is to begin to pray and then say, God, when I'm done praying, I need a sense of what I need to do next. That's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah goes back, and we're told Nehemiah has this really strategic plan. Like, it's really great when you he goes and he doesn't really tell anyone What's on his heart? He doesn't really respond really by telling everybody, we're going to build the wall. He goes back and he begins to watch and he pays attention. And finally at the right time, you read the passage. I'll read the passage for you. It says the Nehemiah finally tells the people who are there, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to build the wall now. The temple, the temple needs a wall. This is what he says. He said to the people, he said to them, you see the trouble we're in in Jerusalem? In, we see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said to me. It's a beautiful moment where Nehemiah realizes, hey, this is the time where all of us now are going to do what God's been calling us to do, and and I'm going to help. I'm here, and I have some good news. God is still at work in the heart of the king that he sent me. A lot of people would have known Nehemiah. They would have been like, Nehemiah, aren't you the cupbearer? Like, what are you doing there? He's like, no, I know. God is allowing me to be part of this. It's so exciting. The next step. And, and if you read through this, you read through this moment, you know that just like today, there's some people that don't care. Have you ever tried to get people to do that? They do something they don't want to do? You ever try? Like our government is begging people to do stuff they don't want to do. You ever try that? Nehemiah is like gonna feel that now. He's like, hey, everyone, hey, I know you're tired. Let's go. We're going to do this. This is so important. And he uses this powerful word in the Hebrew. He says, if we don't do this, you know that this means that our God to all the other people is really a disgrace. Our story is a disgrace to everyone else because people in the ancient world understood how important it was to have a visible representation of what it meant for people to worship God together. It happened in their hearts, but it also happened together. When people came to the altar and sacrificed together and served together sometimes it's a foreign idea for us the next chapter of this nehemiah section is so confusing because there's a lot of names you read a lot in people's names and stuff and and before i read it for you i want to tell you a story it's a story of something that happened to me uh, a few years ago when we were like i was part are we have partner churches that live outside of quebec and sometimes many of you know this i'll, I'll like fly somewhere or i'll be somewhere in ontario where i'm speaking at a church just they're helping us financially, they're praying for us, you know, so I go and give an update. And one day we were traveling with somebody, they picked me up at the airport, and and we were driving, and this person who picked me up said, hey, hey, do you have a few minutes if you're not in a rush? I'm like, no, I'm here, I'm here to serve you guys, do whatever, I wanna take you by this building, it's in the downtown core of the neighborhood. I said, sure. So we go by the downtown core, and we get there, and they're like, see that beautiful building? I'm like, yeah. It's like, my daughter designed that building. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, they're a partner, so I'm like, I love that. I love this. No. <laughs> I'm going to build one in Quebec. We're going to build this in Quebec. <laughs> no, but I remember that moment because it was a parent excited about what their child had done. And this person didn't know me, from, didn't know me that much. No, they just said, but I, I want you to get a taste of how proud I am that my daughter was part of building, designing this building. And after that moment, it changed how I read the next part of Nehemiah. Because the next part the Nehemiah, all these people are going to step up to start to build this building. They're going to start to step up and say, I don't have a lot of time, but I can come on this day, and I can come on that day. And they start to come to, and in my mind, I keep thinking of what it would look like to see God's face when he's like, those are my children who are rebuilding the wall in the temple. Look at them now. They know. You know what this means? They know that I have forgiven them. That's what that means. They know that new hope is coming. That's what that means. Here are some of the names of the people you would likely ignore or maybe miss if you read this by yourself. It's hard. Like, I'll try to pronounce them. They're very hard. You see it on the screen. Elishi went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasana. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. You go to the next section. Yuzel, son of Harihaya, one of the goldsmiths. We need goldsmiths. Repaired the next section. And Hanahaya, one of the perfume makers. Perfume makers, I love that right? Made repairs next to that. Shalom, son of Ho- Hohesh, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And it goes on and on and on. I've said this before. All of us would slow down to read this section if our names were in this list. All of us would slow down to read this if our grandparents' names was in this list. Not only that, you would take a picture and post it on social media. We were, part, we were there. We were there. We built this. Can you imagine God looking down at his people who have real jobs? It even tells us their job, to tell us they set time aside to start to worship again. I read this this week, and I thought about the people of this church who've continually set time aside to help us create space for people to worship. You might take that for granted. I might take that for granted. We can never take it for granted. That there's people are here in the week cleaning our kids' rooms, washing toilets, learning new songs, setting time aside to pray, youth leaders who are setting stuff out of their calendar so they can be here pouring into the next generation. Their names are down. They're not doing it for any, they they don't want to be known, they don't need a a, a plaque, but they're saying we're going to help people worship Jesus. We're going to teach them, we're going to play our part. For some of you, that's just the next step. And if you remember anything, would you just remember this idea that when God starts to restore hope in our lives, one of the first things that happens is you start to find your place in that new hope. You start to believe that you have a part to play in what God's doing. You know, there's a lot of people in this story that are like, I'm not doing that. I'm watching football. I don't know. They're like, I have Netflix to watch. I don't care. Somebody else build a wall. But Nehemiah's like, let me just tell you about some of the people who were there. And I wonder, like, who's writing their names? Like, is it Nehemiah? Is like, somebody, okay, what's your name? Where's your, your, your goldsmith? We're going to need a goldsmith. That's good. Oh, perfume maker? We don't need perfume maker that much, but actually they would have needed it in the temple. You know, all these things. I'm like, how beautiful, how beautiful. The names of people who said, like, I can help. I'll play my part. I can sacrifice. I'm going to bring my kids. See that? I'm going to bring my daughters. Why? Because we model for the next generation what it means to worship. And if you look at the section, as I read through it, I saw, I continually saw rebuild, repair, rebuild, repair. You see, restore. All of these beautiful words of what it looks like when God begins to heal things. One of the biggest challenges for a community of faith, for a church, any, any type of community of faith, will be what it means that there's some people who quickly realize that they're called to find their place, and there's others who for a long time don't. This is a really big struggle. Some of you might not know this, but this is a struggle for a long time for many communities. And it's really hard because some people are not ready and some people are wounded. And, you know, and, and we've encouraged you to think about this here at our church. So, I mean, I'm going to be really, really honest. We've encouraged you that it's almost essential to move from being spectators to being servants. It's essential. And you know why this is going to be so hard? Because we live in a world of spectators. Actually, we even fuel the problem because we just give you a YouTube feed to just spectate. Like, we make it worse. But we believe at some point that you're going to feel the weight of saying, I can't just be a spectator. I need to also serve and find my place and meet the other people who are, who are at work in God's work this is not Ezra's idea. This is not Nehemiah's idea. This is not people who are like, I need more stuff to do idea. This is God who at the beginning of the story began to tell his people, I'm about to change everything. And they know this. Next Saturday, we're going to encourage some of you our ministry partners to take this big step to say, hey, we're here to serve. We're here to commit. We're here to put roots down. And some of you are just not there yet. You're just at that line. It's time to just, spiritually, I'm just doing this in your back. Hey, hey, here we go. Here we go now. It won't hurt. You move from spectator to servant. To starting to find your place. To starting to play your part. And this will be very, very challenging. Let me warn you. Nehemiah knows it's very, very challenging. It's very challenging for us too. Because we don't really live in a world that takes broken things and repairs them and restores them. We live in a world that when things are broken, we just reject them. And we throw them out. That's kind of the culture we live in. Like, I just have a slide. Maybe go to the next slide just to kind of give you a sense of how I wanted to frame this. Just go to the next slide. there. We live in a world that rejects rather than rebuilds and restores. That's the world we live in. I'm the first one to admit this. Something breaks and I'm like, how long does it take to fix it? Ah, well, you have a warranty. Throw it in the garbage. We'll give you a new one. I'm like, yes. Right? This is our world. And then you read the story of God at work and he's like, you know what? I love you so much. I didn't just kind of reject you and find other people I began to call you to see that I can restore this and heal this and and give you a new vision of what your life is supposed to mean and how that fits into how you're gonna worship me now do you want that some people are like nope we don't want any of that just get rid of it we don't care I thought about this but the people that I've met as a pastor here and a pastor in other places who went through difficult times who struggled who needed to know that God was gonna restore their marriage. Imagine if I met with them and I said, you know what, it's never gonna happen. You guys are done. Imagine, like sorry, just go with something new, try something new. You'd be like, what, what, why? Because you feel inside there's something about, no, no, people matter to God. The things that God brings together matter to see restored and healed. And yet everything around us says, no, 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 it's not worth your time. Just throw it out. Christianity, you got hurt at the church, throw that out. You don't understand the Bible? It's kind of hard. Throw it out. What a, instead of saying, no, 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 God is restoring this, and I need a new vision of what it means to be part of this. When everything around you says, just reject that. Start your own thing. Do something else. Nehemiah knows that some of the people, they don't want to be part of that. They're not sure. They're tired, and they're starting to show up. I want to I end with, with a story and I want to read a passage for us as we wrap up. I want to do this something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to invite you to pray and to respond this morning in a unique way. But a few years ago here at, at the church, I, uh, I had a chance to be with a family in our church who uh, were going through a very difficult time. And, and one of the people in the family, the, one of the, couple, the, the people in the couple, had, had a, a really, really bad accident. Really, really serious accident. And they were not able to walk, they were not able to move their body. I remember times I would visit them in the hospital and I would just sit with them. They couldn't even move to to communicate with me that I was there. Those are moments where you feel like if God doesn't do something supernatural, it's not going to change. Those are moments when the last thing you want to hear from the doctor say, things are never going to change here. Because you know what you want more than anything, things to change. And by God's grace... The person started to get better and I remember I periodically would go see them and one time one of my visits with them I you know I wasn't sure about their schedule they were in rehab and I, I went with them there I you know I went to the room and the person's like oh they're not here they're in the rehab I'm like could I go you know and they're like oh yeah, yeah so I went there and and there was a sense of hope you know this was a person that everything was broken and falling apart and marriage and kids and unsure next steps and you're starting to see like a sense of hope and they needed help to just walk they needed help to just move their arms And I remember sitting with them in a chair and they were in this contraption. Some of you will know this better than me. But they're in a contraption because they can't move their shoulder and the physiotherapist is like moving their fingers. And they're like, oh, do you feel your fingers? They're like, I don't feel anything and I'm there. And I'm just praying with them, just like, hey, just keep at it. God is in the midst of restoring this. Don't lose hope now. And you know, if you've ever been in that situation, you take two steps forward and the next day you can't move again and you're like, oh, it's it's never gonna get better. I thought about that story this week because for many of us, If we're not careful, that's what happens to us spiritually. We go through a crisis. We go through something like COVID. And then what slowly starts to happen is the things that were so essential to worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, they kind of become hard and painful. And you're like, you know what? Like, I don't think I need any of that anymore. I have a new way of being spiritual and finding my own thing. And all along, God's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. You need to learn how to work those muscles again. You're going to need how to learn to pray again and trust me again and start to move everything again so you feel like what your body's really meant to do. And along the way, you will get tired and discouraged and sad. And so maybe for us this fall, this series is God awakening in us a time to say, God, there's things I need you to restore in me. And I know the temptation of, of wanting to maybe reject those things or maybe push them aside and say they don't matter. But Nehemiah and Ezra remain the examples for us of what it means to believe that God loves to heal and to restore and to rebuild things. That's a sign of a God who loves us. A God who doesn't just reject us and say, whatever, you're not good anymore, I'm going to do something No, that's not what God's like. God's like, just watch now how I heal this. You pray, and then you act, and you watch what I do now. There's a prayer in the Psalms that's a prayer that people would pray when they sensed that God was beginning to do something new. It's a section of a Psalm that I want us to finish this morning by praying together. Because one sign that you really believe that God is beginning to change things is it changes how you pray. It'll change how you pray you'll not only pray to have God's peace and God's strength, but you'll also pray looking for opportunities to act and to respond and to feel the burden and to say, this is on me. My name needs to be on this list. That person needs to be with us. We're not going to be spectators. We're going to be servants. All of those things start to happen. And we're going to end by doing something unique. In a minute, I'm just going to put up a psalm on the screen. I'm going to read it for you. And then I'm going to give you a chance to just read it as your prayer. It's very simple. And as you're reading the psalm as your prayer, if you sense that God is trying to stir in you something that needs to be restored, something that needs to be rebuilt, repaired, a relationship, something in the past that is so broken you don't know how you're going to get past it, closure, a regret, whatever that is, If you feel that that's you, as you read that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to stand. It's pretty simple. Here's the prayer, Psalm 71. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. This is our prayer. It's not my prayer. It's our prayer. As we make sense of how to get through the season of just overwhelming Confusion and wondering, like, what's after COVID? Are we even ever going to get to after COVID? And and yet, the brokenness in our homes, in our workplaces, be so easy to just reject it all and just start something else, but not with our God. He restores and repairs and heals and says, Watch what I do now. Nehemiah's name means God has comforted. Nehemiah was born and named in a time of extreme violence in Persia. Can you imagine imagine the courage of his parents to say, call him Nehemiah? People would have been like, what? You have the guts to believe that God's going to comfort us in this mess? Call my son Nehemiah. For some of us, we're going to need that kind of faith to believe that God can restore and heal and do something new again. Why? Because we made worship the essential way that God changes things because Jesus didn't come to build a library. He came to build a church. I'm going to give you a minute. This is your prayer now. As you feel led, you stand. I'll come back in a minute and I'll pray for us. Jesus is with us.
0: Jesus is called.
1: You can close, just close your eyes, especially if you're standing. Just imagine what it'd be like to feel Jesus' hand on your shoulder now. You would not need to speak, you would know what it means. You would know that it means that He feels and understands your pain. And that he loves to restore and to heal broken relationships, broken marriages, painful regrets, years, years of the same thing. Jesus knows what it's like to set us free. For some of you, this is the first step of losing your first battle to Jesus. Your first step of understanding, it's time to surrender everything and say yes to His ways. We can't wait to baptize you in a few weeks. For some of you, it's just a prayer of needing God's peace as you discern what the next step might be. Jesus will show you by the power of the Spirit would you have the courage to respond though you have made me see troubles many and bitter you will restore my life again From the depths of the earth you will again bring me up you will increase my honor and comfort me once more memorize that this week let's all just stand as we close this morning Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we go now, you would help us to welcome the ways you were about to change things in our lives, to teach us to have the courage of Ezra and Nehemiah, your servants who have come before us, who found their place in the things that you were doing, who understood that worship needed to be essential if they were going to experience your power and your grace. Help us as we think about the ways we get discouraged and overwhelmed. Help us to know that we're not alone. And that you will go with us as we trust you. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, before you go, I just want to say two very quick things. We are really blessed to have a wonderful prayer team. Pray and respond type of people. And and we have just some leaders just back there in our prayer space that are there. If you'd like to just talk to someone, pray with someone, you took a step of saying, I think I have to say yes to Jesus and I don't know what's next. We'd love to help with that. You can go there. And also if you're a ministry partner, really important, Saturday, we're going to be here talking a good old heart to heart about what it means to be servants together. We love you all. God bless. If you have small kids, you got to bring them home. Masks on. See you soon. God bless everyone. Thanks, Steve.